enough for me to stand before you tonight and condemn riots. It would be morally irresponsible for me to do that without, at the same time, condemning the contingent, intolerable conditions that exist in our society. These conditions are the things that cause individuals to feel that they have no other alternative than to engage in violent rebellions to get attention. And I must say, Tonight, that a riot is the language of the unheard. And what is it America has failed to hear? It has failed to hear that the plight of the Negro people has worsened over the last 12 or 15 years. It has failed to hear that the promises of freedom and justice have not been met. And it has failed to hear that the large segments of white society are more concerned about tranquility and the status quo than about justice and humanity. From The Other America by Martin Luther King, 1968. Welcome, everyone, to the House of Mercy podcast. We all need some mercy in these troubled times that keep getting more trouble. Turning up, I guess, what's been inside us and around us forever. We say in the House of Mercy song that we're sitting at the House of Mercy waiting for the waters to stir. Well, they have been stirred. I hope you'll be able to find some mercy here or anywhere at all this evening or tomorrow, the next day, until we meet again. Russell? Yeah. Can you tell us about what you've been up to? Well, I've been working with a lot of other people um, at House of Mercy in Bethlehem, where we rent from. Since Thursday, it's been a site, uh, 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 emergency medical site, um, a medical staging site, people getting supplies and going out 
to the different places where there are protests uh, and need. Also, then it has become uh, just a huge food distribution site because, uh, you know, after the, the rioting and all the stores at Midway were closed and people couldn't even, you know, get groceries if they were able to get out there, uh, we distributed, yeah, medical supplies, groceries. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, been, it's been open 24 hours since uh, since Thursday at about 7 o'clock, and it continues to be. Yeah, so if there's people listening that want to help, they can just show up at the church? or what Yeah, just that? go to the church and uh, find somebody who looks like they're in charge. It's kind of chaos, but it's a... Uh, it's very grassroots, meaning just like you can find something to do. You ask somebody, everybody's like, it's helpful. And there's so many people beyond our House of Mercy and Bethlehem community that are there. Literally hundreds of, of people coming in and out. And so many people from House of Mercy have uh, responded and worked for, you know, two days straight. And so thank you to all of you from our community that are, are helping out. Yeah, it's, it's good to hear um, that people are out there helping, so. Absolutely. So. This is the house from, oh. oh, sorry, no, my, yeah, okay. I was just, I'm sorry that my sigh interrupted you. <laughs> Go ahead, <laughs> no. This is the House of Mercy, and welcome to it. God, whose justice rolls down like water, help us. Help us allow your presence to transform us. Your presence as justice, as mercy, as love, like water. Your presence in the people around us, both the guilty and the innocent. Or help us glimpse how much those categories fail. Come and cast some light on who we are so we can be honest about it and malleable, lament our sins, bring down the powerful. We pray that you would fill us with your spirit. We need it. Amen.
God, whose justice rolls down like water, we pray for justice for George Floyd and for all the victims of police brutality today, last night, since policing began. We pray for those who suffer daily and have suffered throughout history from white fear and white supremacy and white arrogance and white desire for control. Help us know how to seek justice or what it means when our roots are so firmly lodged in injustice, when our lives have been forged out of racist systems, when we're so guilty of so many things. We pray for mercy too. God of mercy, hear our prayer. God, who pours out your spirit on earth into humans, we thank you for people loving each other, people out there cleaning up the streets, giving what they can, food to eat, water to drink, for all the beautiful things that are possible, even amongst us imperfect, broken beings, we thank you. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. God of mercy, we pray for Nancy and Helena and Tom and Jenna and all the friends and family of Matthew Apps who are roiling from their personal loss in the midst of such public loss, pandemic and upheaval. Hold them in their grief. God, in your mercy, hear our prayer. The reading for today is Psalm 137. By the rivers of Babylon, there we sat down and there we wept. When we remembered Zion, on the willows there we hung our harps, for there our captors ask us for songs, and our tormentors ask for mirth, saying, Sing us one of the songs of Zion. How could we sing the Lord's song in a foreign land? If I forget you, O Jerusalem, let my right hand wither, let my tongue cling to the roof of my mouth. If I do not remember you, if I do not set Jerusalem above my highest joy. Remember, O Lord, against the Edomites, the day of Jerusalem's fall, how they said, Tear it down, tear it down, down to its foundations. O daughter Babylon, you devastator, Happy shall be they who pay you back for what you have done to us. Happy shall they be who take your children and dash them against the rock. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Over the last three days, I've had so many positive interactions with so many people. And every time I put a bottle of water in someone's hand or unloaded bags of groceries or gave away a, a mask, it felt so good. I felt so good. I felt so hopeful after so much hopelessness. Friday, riding back to the church after dropping off a fifth truckload of supplies at a high-rise apartment in the Midway, I practically felt giddy seeing how much people really needed 
what we had to distribute. And giving so, they gave me so many grateful smiles and thank yous. I just said it out loud. I said, well, it feels so good to be able to do something. And I obviously am only a little bit of a part of this effort. It wasn't my food and medical supplies. It wasn't my truck. Hundreds and hundreds of people brought in donations. A steady stream of countless volunteers putting together bags and boxes of food and backpacks of medical supplies to be distributed. I was fortunate to be on the end of the supply chain that received the thank yous and the smiles. And I tried to make sure that I passed those thank yous on to everyone else who was doing this great work. And so many times I heard that expression that I felt when I would say thank you to somebody. They would say we were just glad to be able to do something or I had to do something. We all felt that because to have seen George Floyd murdered in front of the world again and again is, is not only anguishing, heartbreaking, it triggers a grief and a helplessness that is overwhelming and nearly all-consuming. So to be able to do something positive, something to help, to just be able to do something to connect with other people, it buoys the soul. It dilutes the darkness. It creates hope out of the hard work of so many people. Last night as I sat in the church, in the dark, listening to the police scanner, trying to gauge if militant white supremacist shooters were coming our way, I had time to give room to some peripheral thoughts that had been trying to push their way to the front of my conscious reflection. There was something about the way my narrative of what was going on had changed over the last four days that I needed to understand better. It was all the white supremacist fear and focus that seemed a little off that I readily embraced. Maybe I don't want to say my fear and focus on white, the white supremacist shooters was a little off because their presence and their actions are a fact I'll say my violent white supremacist fear and focus was maybe less contemplated than it could have been. The way that my active narrative changed from Thursday to Saturday night and the narrative of others of my circle needed more teasing out. And just to be clear, by my circle I mean my friends and family, extended family, clergy, mercy folks, who are all nearly all, who are nearly all white liberals. Of course, not all of them had this narrative shift, um, but I did for sure. At first I was so heartbroken by the murder of George Floyd and seeing that video and heartbroken by the historic and systematic racism that makes the murder of people of color possible and again and again with seemingly nothing done to change the conditions that cause it. And I deeply sympathize with the black communities who suffered and grieve these ongoing injustices, whose anger is understandable, whose anger I share. Then, when that anger became uncontainable outrage, when it turned violent, when people started rioting, I got fearful. I got uncomfortable. 
not only with the destruction of property and all that it meant for the small business owners and the neighborhood people who rely on those businesses, but I felt bad, troubled, that the people that, to who I funneled my sympathies, the people like, if it was the black people that my heart broke for doing these things that I find abhorrent, so violent, so needlessly destructive, well then I, I couldn't quite make the emotional or moral calculus work out. At first I thought their anger was understandable, but when it turned into rioting, I could no longer understand it. But then, thankfully, to ease my moral and emotional conflict, another narrative threat appeared. Word began to spread that the violence, the rioting, the needless destruction of property was actually started by outsiders. It is the others from outside, the white outsiders, who are really committing the violence and the destruction. The white nationalists are the real problem here. There were reports that 80% of those arrested from out, were from outside of Minnesota. Maybe it might even be true that all the arrests of looters and rioters were people from outside Minnesota. Some sources said that there were 70,000 outsiders heading to Minnesota on Saturday. And if I had any doubt that it was true, Fox News repeatedly reported that 100% of those arrested were really actually from Minnesota. So if Fox News is reporting that, it must confirm that the opposite is true. This solved the moral and emotional equation for me. Now I can go back to sympathizing with the black people who are understandably angry in an understandable way. And I can assign the violent anger and senseless violence to people that any liberal deplores. Militant white nationalists. But this calculation, this reconfiguring of the narrative thread, which allowed me to, to diminish the very real outrage that led to the rioting and place all responsibility for the violence and destruction on people I feel more comfortable calling out as bad actors. But that means, if I do that, that I don't fully hear the anger of the black communities. And I can feel like it's not directed at me. I now realize that if I want to do something, I have to stand and hear the anger. The quote from Martin Luther King's speech, The Other America, from 1968, has been repeated many times since this all began. I foresaw it spray-painted, on a burned-out storefront on Lake Street yesterday. It said, riot is the language of the unheard. Riot is the language of the unheard. This is what I can do. In response to the murder of George Floyd, work to hear what has clearly gone unheard. What I can do in response to the rioting of this last week is to feel the anger Feel the anger. Hear what is being said in the riot. Allow myself to stand in front of the anger of the unheard and not try to work it out 
dismiss it, deflect it, to stand in front of the anger of the unheard and work to hear what has been ignored for too long, for so long. I'm going to keep doing the work to help clean up from the rioting, to do the work of helping people to get the things they need during this time of crisis. And I will continue, it will continue to make me feel good and make me feel hopeful and like I'm connected to this whole community. But what I really need to do, if I really want to do something, if we really want to do something, we need to start to listen to what has been unheard. We need to listen to what riot is telling us. On the night he was handed over to death, Jesus took bread and gave thanks for it and broke it. And gave it to the disciples to eat, saying, Take, eat. This is my body, broken for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And after supper, Jesus took the cup, and he gave the cup for all to drink, saying, This cup is the new covenant in my blood, shed for you and shed for all people for the forgiveness of sin. Do this in remembrance of me. Troubled times, Lord, what are we to do? In these troubled times, Lord, what can see us through? Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how long shall we cry? In these troubled times, was your wrath against the river? Was your rage against the sea? And he drove his chariot and claimed his victory. Oh Lord, oh Lord, are these your signs in these troubled times? In these troubled times, Lord, what are Troubled time, Lord, what can see us through? Oh, Lord, oh, Lord, how long can we cry in these troubled times? When they pull you from the wreckage and you can finally see the tarnished tower of Babel and the smell of misery Oh Lord, oh Lord Are these your signs In these troubled times In these troubled times, Lord What, what are we to do? In these troubled times, Lord
May the grace of Christ that excludes no one and the love of God that embraces all of creation and the peace of the Spirit which has no boundaries and no limit fill you with life and with love. Take care of each other. Amen.